It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I got paid back by karma almost immediately. I never wore a mouthpiece uh, after my after my rookie season. And during that end zone celebration, Dave Dixon came over and gave me a big bear hug. And my helmet came down and knocked my two front teeth out. <laughs> and like on the game copy of the film, like the TV copy, you can see me on the way to the sideline, like stopping in the middle of Soldier Field. And I, I was spitting out my teeth. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson, and I don't know, as I bring Sam Mechram in, he's, he's my producer. Uh, today's show, I'm excited for one, so I'm, I'm going to start off excited. We have Robert Smith on, former Vikings running back, a part of the one of the best offenses I've ever seen in my life. I heard tons about it because Brian Billick was my head coach and that was his offense. But I'm a little bit down because of where the Minnesota Wild are, and I and I and I prim, and I and I say that um, because I kept saying I don't want to get involved in another team. I'm already kind of <laughs> involved in the Vikings, um, like the Twins. It's just way too early. They're they're doing well, you know. They another sweep for them. Um, but I just don't want to get invested in the Twins just yet. And then the Timberwolves. I got invested in the Timberwolves. They were in the playoffs. It was exciting to play Memphis. And then here come the Wild. And I'm like, I have no idea about hockey. I'm not... And then as I'm watching, I'm like, man, I get it. Like, look at the tripping. Look at the hitting. Look at the uh, illegal. I didn't realize the uh, hit by Shin on uh, Kaprizov is illegal. I did not know that. I forgot. I think they call it charging because he left his skates and then made contact to the back of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, yet another time a referee has screwed Minnesota sports fans. Uh, we know Minnesota sports fans have dealt with wide lefts. Um, they've dealt with uh, Philly Follies, where they, they had the Minneapolis miracle one week and the next week get absolutely destroyed by the Eagles. Um, they've dealt with Kevin Garnett wanting to leave and then going to win a championship elsewhere. Uh, whereas if the, the Timberwolves could have found a way to keep Kevin Garnett and get him like a Paul Pierce or get him one other, you know, piece to that puzzle in a Rondo. Uh, maybe the Timberwolves end up winning a championship. Uh, we do know the West though was tough back then. We know the Lakers kind of owned the West. It was a, it was a tough division to get out of. Whereas the East with the Celtics at that time, a little bit easier. And then Ray Allen, of course, leaves and goes to the heat and then they take over. Um, but I've now gotten invested in the wild and, I say that with a little bit of angst because I, I I left my daughter's game. We rushed home and turned on the game. My wife, we're all in the me and my wife and my daughter were in the bed watching because of course our, our little one doesn't give a crap. Um, so we're watching and you know we let her watch a little bit till it was like all right, it's a little late. You got to go to bed because I even fell asleep. Not gonna lie, I fell asleep. Uh, I think when it was four to two, I fell asleep and I kind of woke back up um, to like the end. But it's it's late and I'm tired. I've been at two softball games all day, worked all day, so it's it's a long day. But Sam, another hat trick, mm-hmm. <laughs> but not for them. Kaprizov was was on target for a hat trick. I thought he was going to get it again. He got two early goals on the power plays. Um, they were doing a great job at two to one, and they had 
Bennington kind of second guessing, moving around. And then I don't know what's going on, but when the puck is shot behind the net, you watch Bennington. He kept coming back there, getting involved in it, you know, getting it back to his guys. Um, yeah, no, I don't know all the positions, but he's getting back to the forwards or whatever. I don't know. Um, and then you look at Flurry or Flower, as they like to call him. A couple of times it gets behind him and he doesn't go get it. And so the forwards, and as I'm listening to the broadcast, the forwards are assuming their goaltender is going to get it and get it back out to him. So they kind of hesitate. Well, he doesn't go back there. He second guesses. Now, by the time he thinks about it, it's too late because their guys or the Blues are down there. They get it behind him. And then, of course, now the forwards are out of position. They have to hurry up and try to get the defenseman. But, you know, it's just it's one of those things where it's just like, dude, just just play the game that you've played in the wins. Like, do the same things you did. Stay involved the entire time. And that's why in the playoffs, in any sport, but in the playoffs specifically, every play matters. And that's where he didn't get behind the net to, to kind of get the puck back out to his forwards, keep control of, the, of that, that possession. They get it, they score again, then they score again, <laughs> they score again. And so, you know, it's it's goals I, I notice now, and again, maybe this is just playoffs, but my immediate take is goals come in bunches. And so when you see that happening, um, you, you look at the hits, you look at how they were kind of attacking Kaprizov. Like I, you felt like that was their mindset. And the wild were the same. Uh, they were attacking as well. I think it was number 20, um, forgot his name, but they were attacking him. And so when you when you look at what was going on um, for the Blues, and I think number 20 is uh, Brandon Saad. Is that how you say Yes, Saad, uh, who had the game-tying goal. Yep, yes. Yeah. So, so Brandon Saad was one of the ones they were attacking. Um, and then they were also attacking uh, Jordan, was it Cairo? Um, yep. Number 25, yep. they were attacking him as well. And so Jordan Cairo and Brandon Saad, um, the Wild just had a plan. We're going to hit him. We're gonna we're gonna go after him. And for a while it was working. Like I think at one point it was 17 to four, 17 to five for hits uh in favor of the wild. And they were they were doing their deal. They were they were imposing their will. Um, you look at Bennington, you know, he only had at one point it was like four shots and two goals for the wild. And so you're like, man, if they can keep this pace up, it's pretty much over. But this is where it got bad. You go to the other side. And Flurry, they only gave him four goals against because, you know, of course, last one doesn't really go. Um, but four goals against, 31 shots against, 27 saves. It still looks good, but this is the problem with that. If the other guy's playing better, you got to play just as good. Um, any other time, if I were to say, man, it was 31 shots and only 27 scored, it sounds good. It's like that's a pretty good percentage, but it's hockey. You gotta, you gotta go ninety nine percent. You gotta stop them all, and some of the mistakes were on him. I know, you know, we're gonna talk about rebounding, all the other stuff, but that was my immediate take, Sam. I, I kind of, I don't know. I was, I was in it, and then, I, I, and like I said, I fell asleep, and I woke up, and I'm watching the ending plus a little bit of Sports Center, and I'm just listening. I'm like, I just feel like it's over. Like I, I kept saying, Wild and Six, and I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna be completely negative, uh, especially on the Twitter machine. I'm gonna try to stay positive. Uh, but I do feel like it's going to be Blues and Six because now the, the Wild are going to play tight. They got they have to win this. The Blues are going to be loose. They're going to have their home fans ready to close this thing out at home so they can celebrate at home, jump all around, throw, throw stuff at each other and, and champagne and do whatever they do after they win a playoff round. Um, but that was my initial take from that. Sam, what did you think of the game? Yeah, I've got three thoughts. So number one, 
it's a shame that they didn't add to the lead in the second period because I felt yeah. like the Wild actually played the better period. Went about 15, 16 minutes, no one scored, and then the Blues get a very fortunate deflection to tie the game, and they end yeah. up going to the intermission tied. I felt like the Wild deserved better in that period. They probably should have added to the lead. Uh, the fact that they didn't was a, a big buzzkill. Number two, uh, we've seen now in consecutive losses where it's a tie game, the Blues score to go ahead, and they immediately score again. It's those those goals in bunches, mm-hmm. like you mentioned. And and especially last night, that can't happen. It's partly on Flurry. I mean, I thought the second Tarasenko goal was a little bit soft. Um, even the first Tarasenko goal, Flurry got a piece of it, probably c- could have made that save. Um, you can't relax when you give up one goal uh, and then give up a second. It just it can't happen in playoff hockey. And third, I'm just wondering where these supplementary scorers have gone for the Wild. I mean, Kaprizov is carrying the load, but he's gotten no help from Fiala. I mean, where's Ryan Hartman? He was a huge scorer in the regular season. Where's Brandon mm-hmm. Duhame, Freddie Goudreau? Like, all of these secondary scorers who you need to rely on those guys in playoff hockey, they've disappeared. Uh, and Kaprizov cannot carry the team for three periods. You saw the Blues really lock him down late in the game when when he, they knew that he was the only threat. Mm-hmm. So I'm disappointed in the depth of this wild team because I thought that was a strength and that has not been the case so far in this series. And so as we go into the next segment, we got Robert Smith coming up. Super excited about that. Uh, can't wait to talk to him, of course, about the 98 team, Randy Moss, all that stuff. But what does he think about running backs? Because running backs aren't what they used to be. There's no more Barry Sanders, Walter Paytons uh, that are that are completely loved in this league there's a new sheriff in town and we'll talk about that with robert smith when we come up on the next segment of the ron johnson show make sure you check out our daily show on locked on sports minnesota it's superior sports talk with care 11 sports director reggie wilson and luke inman here reggie and luke go back and forth about the lace sports five days a week find it on the locked on sports minnesota youtube channel or wherever you get your podcast feeds now up on the ron johnson show it's christmas eve or let's call it schedule eve for you know, a few sports fans, especially Vikings fans, because you guys can't wait to figure out who you play first. You already know when you play the Eagles, so you can get ready for that. But I want to bring in former Vikings running back, Robert Smith. Robert Smith played for Brian Billick's offense. I Brian Billick was my head coach, so I heard tons of stories about Robert, uh, his two-way ability to be a running back and a receiving running back. So in today's NFL, he would be highly garnered in fantasy football. Um, he was a guy that can catch it out the backfield. He can run it. Rob, I want to thank you for joining me on the Ryan Johnson show. I just want to jump out here, Rob. We've done some shows together for the Vikings. We've done Vikings live, some other stuff, but we've never, I've never had a chance to truly just interview you. And so I'm excited about this, man. I grew up, uh, playing for the Gophers. Well, I grew up in Detroit, but I played for the Gophers. Um, so in 98, I was here right at the heart of everything going on. I was a freshman at the university of Minnesota. So I remember you a bunch, Robert Tate, you know, all the guys, um, and so when you Tate. think <laughs> top five, that's what oh, we, yeah. we call them top five. <laughs> that was my guy. So when you think about your time with the Vikings and, and all the Vikings fans want to know this, man, 98, you guys were the greatest show on turf before it was created. Uh, what was that experience life like with Randy Moss, yourself, Chris Carter, Jake Reed, you know, and just the aerial assault that you guys had on the league at that point? You know, it's it, it's funny. So the season before in 97, I mean, you know, it, and 
and you know you you said it right there like people didn't realize you know having having jake and chris and kadri and myself and leroy horde like we had so many offensive weapons and i remember you know what in between meetings uh you go in to the players lounge and you watch espn and you're watching the highlights and i remember seeing all these highlights of randy moss during the 97 season and it's just like Man, this guy, this guy is insane. And in the draft in 98, in April, I remember when we picked him up and I was just like, this, this isn't going to be fair. I mean, that, but it's not, how did we, how do we add him? How did we get, we, we got picked at the same position overall, like 21st overall. How did we, and obviously I know some of the off field issues contributed to this, but I just couldn't believe that we were able to get Randy. And I remember the first day in training camp, um, seeing Randy and I, you know, at, at this point in my career playing with Chris Carter, but you know, guys like Emmett Smith that I had seen play Barry Sanders and track, I had been in a race against Carl Lewis. You know, I had seen a lot of crazy things athletically. I never saw anybody move like Randy. And it, and it's funny when you're around world-class athletes and somebody looks that different, it, it just stands out immediately when you're an athlete and you've seen athletes perform at the highest level. And I spoke to my agent at lunch uh, after that first practice, and he's like, how did Randy Moss look? And I said, I never seen anything like this. And I said, there's no question in my mind if he stays healthy, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And, that was, and it's not like it was a genius move on my part to be able to <laughs> recognize that. But I, that's what really stood out to me, that uh, Randy just – he just looked so different. And obviously on the field, we played so different. Yeah, and, and I mean, honestly, man, I'm looking at the numbers. I've seen them and I've talked about them before. But it's ridiculous, man. When you look at what you did as a running back – I mean, you had – 300 yards receiving, 1,200 yards on the ground. So, I mean, you were 1,500 yards of production in that time, but you also had Randy Moss and Chris Carter, man. Like, how fun was that realizing that you were going to have space on screens because when Randy and Chris go on a go route, everybody's got to follow Randy. And you got three, four, you know, I, I mean, I've seen catches of him with three guys draped on him. So when you get the ball on the screen in the open field, I mean, it was beat one guy and it's it's daylight. Like, how was that? Uh, it was a, it was insane. Um, I mean, it was just such a fun year and, you know, just a different feel like in the preseason. You know, we went undefeated in the preseason, which generally doesn't mean anything. But it just felt different. Mm -hmm. We knew that we had something special that year. And, you know, it, it's funny. I remember in the Chicago game, it was one of those screens uh, and Randy and I are running downfield by each other, and we high-fived each other on the way <laughs> to the end zone. Uh, but I, I, hey, I, I, I got paid back by karma almost immediately. I never wore a mouthpiece uh, after, my, after my rookie season. And during that end zone celebration, Dave Dixon came over and gave me a big bear hug, and my helmet came down and knocked my two front teeth out. <laughs> and... <laughs> like on the game copy of the film, like the TV copy, you can see me on the way to the sideline, like stopping in the middle of Soldier Field, and I, I was spitting out my teeth. And the <laughs> next week, 
was when we ended on Monday night football, when we ended Green Bay's, I think it was 25 or 26 game home winning streak. And it was another screen touchdown that I had in that game. And Dave Dixon comes over to me to celebrate. And I just stuck my hand out. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Stay over there. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, no, 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 no end zone celebrations with you. Everybody was just cracking up laughing. But that was just kind of the way that that season was. Even when things went wrong during the regular season, everything was just – everything just kind of felt right. But ultimately, we didn't end up with the uh, with the prize that, that we wanted and that we wanted to bring the fans. So disappointing from that standpoint, but a lot of fun. Yeah, man. And so, of course, Brian Billick was my head coach with the Ravens. And so I heard tons of 98 stories about that season. Why? Because we bought in Corey Fuller. Uh, yep. We had Harold Morrow. Uh, we had Gary Zahner, the uh, special teams coach. And so we we heard tons of Vikings stories. And Brian would always, you know, he would say some weird stuff like, hey, Ron, you were in Minnesota at this time. Let me tell you what not to do. You know, in order to make sure, you know, like whether it was guys arguing with each other in the locker room that could, you know, right. end up being a fight and hurting themselves or, um, you know, guys going out too late and partying and having to get a call from the police that we got to come bail you out of jail, you know, at three, four in the morning. <laughs> and so Brian's going through all the what not to do's. But right. one thing he did say, and so when I'm thinking about your team and just like you said, the the 15 win season and all that stuff. Um, when you look at the Vikings, you know, the Blair Wash mission, the kick to the left, when you see stuff like that, you know, do, does that always bring back memories? And cause I know people probably always come back to like, man, the Vikings always find a way to let us down with the kickers. But you know, how, how was that for you knowing that, you know, it came down to a kick and everybody hates that games can end like that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the game and, you know, you don't, you don't want to just dismiss it because it does mean so much to you. And I remember, you know, being in that locker room and, you know, hearing grown men cry and being on the verge of tears myself and in interviews after the game, like it meant so much to us, but you just know that that's part of the game. Like, and as a player, you have to understand that and it can't be the end. Um, you know, you have to, you have to carry on. I mean, that's, that's just kind of the, the player mentality. You have to move on, but there's no question when you look back and the further you get away and, you know, you watch other people celebrate championships and the more you become a true fan yourself, you kind of understand what it's like to be a fan and to have those misses like that, to have, the opportunity to be set up and to not be able to convert. And more than anything else, it bothers me now because I understand the fan base a lot more and I understand, you know, the history of uh, the frustration of the fan base and, and of the city, you know, in, in a lot of ways in, in sports in general. And you just wish that you were able to to do it for those people. But you you also understand that you have such a, a an opportunity you know with the with the uh, position that you have to use your voice and uh, to be able to impact people's lives and people say to you oh you know I became a Vikings fan because of you and uh, you know I just remembered this and all these positive things so you feel blessed uh, but you wish you could have just converted that one opportunity or those opportunities that you had to win the ultimate prize, not just for yourself and your teammates and your coaches, but for the fans.
Yeah, and so let's let's jump into the current day Minnesota. You look at the NFL as a whole. Uh, running backs are being disrespected. You know, people are paying receivers a, a, a ton. I mean, people are backing up the Brinks trucks for receivers right now. You look at DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you look at A.J. Brown. You look at all these receivers getting, you know, Christian Kirk even. You know, he didn't even. Yeah, that was, a, that was a surprise deal. Yeah, he's not a huge, you know, thought process. And so people are now saying Justin Jefferson is going to be worth, you know, $180 million. You know, if you think about what's going to happen in the next two years with receivers versus running backs. Dalvin Cook now going into year seven. Um, so when you look at year seven, six for Dalvin Cook, you know, you were done after eight or nine years. Um, you know, Jerome Bettis, you know, he got nine in, I think. Eddie George was done by the time he was 30. So Dalvin Cook at age 26, 27, um, people are starting to say, should the Vikings move on and find a younger version? Um, what are your thoughts on today's NFL with that? We're running backs now. It's like, hey, they're dispensable, but we need receivers. Like, how, how does that sit with you? Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a different game, and you know because of the the formations that uh, that teams usually do, you know, go a lot of empty or, or at the very least uh, three wides, four wides, uh, and the ability for backs to be versatile, to be able to line up in the backfield, uh, and then and then a, a motion out into empty, try and create a mismatch with a linebacker that's got to that's got to move out. It's just, it's a completely different game. Um, but at the same time, you know, things tend to be cyclical. And I think that, you know, we saw this with Ricard up at, uh, with, uh, with uh, Baltimore. And of course yep. us using CJ ham, you know, you, you get into, uh, you know, that, that heavier personnel, uh, you know, you, you get into that, you know, uh, uh, 21 or even 22 personnel where you, you know, you've got a couple of backs, you get a couple of tight ends because, defenses have kind of changed their personnel. Uh, they've gone lighter. They've gone faster. Um, you know, they'll, they'll tend to have more uh, uh, defensive backs in the game. You can kind of change things up a little bit uh, and go with that heavier personnel sometimes and surprise them. But there's, there's no two ways about it. The game has certainly changed for the most part in that you have that focus on the wide receivers and uh, being able to have guys that can operate in space because, uh, you know, that, that analogy gets used a lot that uh, football has kind of become like uh, basketball on turf. Yeah. Yeah. And so looking at the schedule, the schedule's coming out. It's schedule Eve for the Vikings fans and all NFL fans. Everybody's looking at the schedule. I know you're looking at it as well. Um, I'm looking at it because I'm trying to figure out, do I got to work on Christmas this year? You know, am I going to work on Christmas Eve? Like what's because Christmas is a Sunday. So everybody's like my kids are even like, Dad, what like are we going to have Christmas? Are you going to have to go to the stadium early? Like we don't know. I'm like, is it a home? I hope it's a home game because then I get to have my family go to, you know, that's an easy Christmas gift for me. I can buy my family tickets to the game. They can come to the game. Christmas is done. We can open gifts after the game that night. Um, but looking at the schedule as a former player, uh, when that would come out, what were you looking at? Like, were you looking at, like, when do you go to Miami or when do you go to Arizona? Um, you know, when do you have to play Green Bay? What were some of the things to schedule that you were looking forward to? And you you just hit the nail on the head. That was it. I mean, that, and, and like, because Denny's, Denny's mentality was, look, the food might be cold. The bed might be hard. Forget about all that stuff. March all night, fight all day. Like, it doesn't matter. Bring them on. But there's no two ways about it, man. Like, we got to be in Miami or Arizona. Uh, in September, or you got to be in Green Bay uh, in December, or now early January. <laughs> those those are things that stick out to you. Other than that, you know, you, you know, you're checking, 
you know, do we have a do we have a Thanksgiving game? Um, you know, are there any other Thursday night games where you have that that short week? When's the bye? Those kind of things. But as far as the teams, hey man, uh, bring it on. You know, doesn't doesn't matter to us. You know, we'll we'll play anybody anywhere anytime. But <laughs> just prepare yourself mentally when you got those uh, super hot games or super cold games. And was there ever a team? I mean, like now, team people joke about the Jets or the Lions, mm-hmm. they're, they're, and then they say that's that's another bye week for us. Were there games where you guys were like, "Man, this team's trash"? Uh, we know we could take a you know take a couple plays off. Randy will get it done for us, or you know, <laughs> like it's an extra rest week for me. Now, honestly, I never looked at it that way. Like you know, as a running back in particular, yeah, you know, you, you go light. You know, you don't you don't bring it the way you're supposed to, man. You know, you can get you can get uh, torn up in practice, let alone oh, yeah. a game. So, to me, I didn't care. I didn't care what team it was. Uh, you just you knew that there was always an opportunity, especially <laughs> because you get multiple tacklers in on a play. Like you don't, you know, that's that's why there's a difference between the wide receivers and running backs. You know, your proximity to the ball at the snap of the ball generally uh, uh, is, you know, there's a there's a relationship to you know uh, the amount of trash that you talk. The further the, the way you are from the ball, and the less you are involved in the banging, and the, and the, and, and the fewer pads you have to wear, uh, the more likely you're going to talk that junk. Uh, you know, as a running back, uh, you know, you always had to be ready. So on the schedule, hey, no cupcakes, man. Everybody, everybody's everybody's got to get the same level of energy for me. And then last one, man, Justin Jefferson. So you look at Kevin O'Connell now, new head coach for the Vikings. Uh, so I know as an alumni, I've seen some of the emails and texts from Tracy McDonald over at the Vikings. Shout out to Tracy McDonald. Um, you know, they want to get you guys back, the alumni. COVID's kind of, you know, the, the it's relaxed now. The rules are a little bit different. It's self, you know, monitor yourself, get tested if you have to, blah, blah. But they want to get the alumni back to, to kind of meet Kevin O'Connell. But looking at Kevin O'Connell's offense with the Rams, and you see Cooper Cup get the triple crown of yards, touchdowns, catches. <laughs> And he's he's publicly said Justin Jefferson can do that in my offense. What is the ceiling or, you know, is there a ceiling for what Justin Jefferson can do when you see what he's done in a subpar offense, I guess you'll call it, and now having a coach who's going to be all about the offense? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what this offense is going to be able to do. And, uh, you know, having the additions that we had uh, on the offensive line and, you know, the development of some of those young players, I think that's going to be the key because when you look at the offense over the last couple of years and the performance, in particular on third down uh, and in pressure situations, uh, uh, you know, it's people say, well, Kirk Cousins hasn't performed well, you know, yards per pass. I think he's 32nd in the league over uh, maybe last year uh, in yards per pass attempt uh, under pressure situations. Well, you have to think of not just about what the quarterback is doing, but what the line's doing, how the play's designed, where's that outlet, uh, you know, w- what is the understanding of the quarterback in relationship to uh, what that offensive coordinator and what that head coach, and in this case with Coach O'Connell, who had been uh, with uh, with Kirk at, at, in, in Washington, uh, you know, those guys understand each other uh, and they understand how a play needs to be designed uh, to get uh, the best result 
in all situations. So I'm really excited to see what that's going to look like. And, you know, don't discount that running game, though. I think when you talk about third down performance, people generally don't look at uh, what happened on first and second down and the yards that you have left on third down. And that's a big part of it. So you really have to look at an offense's performance holistically. How are we doing on first and second down to set ourselves up on third down? What are we doing in those pressure situations? But when you've got a talent like Justin Jefferson, of course, you know, you hope that Adam Thielen's going to be healthy and having KJ, we saw what he was able to do and ISM. We got we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of abbreviation names in that <laughs> receiving core. Um, but I'm just excited to see it because I know what kind of offensive mind Kevin O'Connell is, and I know what kind of talent this team has. Well, I want to thank Robert Smith for joining me on the Ron Johnson show. Thank you, Rob. Have a great day. And up next, everybody, it's the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes. We'll be back after this. Do you want smart post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite sports teams? Well, check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Get instant reactions from our Locked On team hosts along with prominent reporters like Kevin Gore for the Wild, Brandon Warren for the Twins, and Chalanga Langison for the Timberwolves. There's no fluff in this. Just 10 minutes of straight analysis. Straight hot fire. 10 minutes, no fluff. You can subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube and never miss a podcast. Well, coming up next, we got the Daily Three. That's three minutes, three questions each. Take it away, Sam. Was not a great night in Minnesota sports. Not only do the Wild lose, but the Twins get shut out. In fact, they nearly get no hit by Justin Verlander and the Astros. In addition, Carlos Correa with that hand injury goes on the IL, as does Chris Paddock, the pitcher with an elbow injury, and it sounds like Paddock could be out for a while. So, Ron, uh, the Twins just finished up their latest 10-game stretch. They went 7-3 and three in that stretch, and through 30 games, they're 18-12, and 12, but are hard times on the way as injuries continue to pile up? Uh, I'd say in this series and the next one. So the next two series, you got the Guardians, 14 and 14. I think they're 15 and 14 now. And then you got the, um, when I first looked at this number, you got the 18 and 11 uh, Astros are now 19 and 11. So this is the thing about the Astros. I already said they were good. Um, I said this was going to be a tough one with injuries. It makes it even tougher. So I have a feeling this is going to be a one-two series. Twins are going to at least get one, maybe. They might get swept, though. It, it can happen. Um, but like Audra Martin talked about, it's about the grade, you know, the GPA. Your early GPA is going to help you. So their early start is going to help them as they falter. These next two series, the ones I think, you know, they're going to – so even if they were to go 0-6 or 1-5, I still think it's okay. And I think, you know, when you look at – the athletics you look at the royals you look at the tigers they have a five game stretch with the tigers i think they'll be fine now but these next this next two they're going to struggle um no doubt about it no ifs ands buts about it but if they can get healthy by that by the tigers that's five games i think they can go four and one against the tigers so yes injuries are going to matter but um, I wouldn't force guys back in a series that you probably weren't going to win anyway. Like, I don't think they were going to beat the Astros healthy. I personally don't think that um, because when you look at the bullpen, like they, they've been doing well, but, you know, without help with the bats, it's tough. You know, they don't have the pitchers that can just completely dominate a game without any bats, like meaning it's going to be a 1-0 game. 
and they just know it's going to be a duel. Like that's that's not how this team is built. This team is built off energy from the batters, from Buxton, from Correa. Uh, they're built off energy from you know big plays made on the field from Correa and Buxton as well. Um, you know, I I I said they were going to falter in this one, but you know that was just me. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I I feel like they're going to come back to earth a little bit. They've been winning a lot of one run games, which is tough to sustain. Um, got to get a rise back in the lineup. He's had, on the COVID list. Got to get Buxton back in the lineup. When you have those two at the top, that's that. Those are the table setters. Those are the guys that get on base. Buxton obviously can leave the yard with the with the bat. Um, you got to get a couple of those hitters back in the lineup. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, yesterday's Tom Brady news got me thinking. Who is your favorite NFL broadcast crew right now? I know some of them are changing around. You've got Buck and Aitman going to ESPN. You've got Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet now on Thursday <laughs> yep. nights. But, I mean, it, it can be, you know, the the, the top crew or the, the, the bottom crew on the network, whatever you want. Who's your favorite NFL crew right now? Well, first off, I want to say Tom Brady, we just found out why. He's rumored to get a 10-year <laughs> $375 million contract, which in TV, it's pretty much guaranteed as long as you don't kill somebody. Uh, and so we know Tom Brady's a great off-the-field person. He's a great family man. Uh, he likes his tequila. He likes his avocado tequila. Um, but this is the thing about and Tom Brady. I love Tom Brady's joke to Matt Stafford. Like, hey, make sure you eat lunch before you drink. Learn from me. Because we know Tom Brady is a health nut. And we all know, though, if you're going to really pile on the drinks, you got to have some substance in your stomach. I'm a 72% vegetarian, but I do know if me and my wife are going out or weekend, I'm going to grab me a chicken sandwich. I'm going to grab something with a little bit more to it than just a salad, because that's not going to do well once you have a couple drinks. In Mexico, same thing. Whenever we're in Mexico for vacation, I always make sure to have a couple chicken tacos at the beach before we go to dinner because I know my father-in-law and, and, you know, and, and after we love to have an old fashioned sitting out on the deck watching the moon. So, but looking at Tom Brady's contract, um, looking at all these crews out there. So get that out the way. My favorite crew is a dark horse. I like Eli and Peyton Manning. Like I love Peyton Manning. One, I was actually there for uh, two off seasons as an assistant coach. So I got to watch Peyton live. I got to listen to his dry humor. Like the dude, that's mm -hmm. him. Like there's no, he wasn't getting paid to make jokes in practice. He wasn't getting paid to make jokes, you know, in the meeting room. That was just Peyton, you know, that's what he did. And so when you think about him now, him and Eli, it's just their personalities. I love it. Like I loved him on Saturday night live when he threw the ball at the kid um who didn't run the right route because that's so really good. what he's done he, he did that to ben utek in practice like ben utek didn't know the hot route and he hit ben utek in the back of the head and then was like hey if you put down the guitar maybe then you could pick up your playbook because we all know ben utek likes to sing the national anthem and he does albums and he's a singer and he's a former gopher um but that was one of my best stories i ever heard uh when i heard about that you know like peyton manning and then the whole idiot kicker thing like that's peyton like that's who Peyton is. So I love the Peyton Eli. Um, I I personally I like Lewis Riddick. I like that, I like that crew. Um, mm -hmm. but I do like Peyton and Eli. Like that's the one I go with. If I have to go like straight booth, um, it's tough. Like that, it's so many good ones out there. Um, but you know, I think my love to hate is like Romo, just because I'm looking forward to like him getting bashed on Twitter. But no, I, I'm gonna go with Peyton and Eli. Like that's the ones I like. Yeah, they're so entertaining. And, you know, they actually are duplicating that concept for the PGA Championship next week. They're going to have Buck 
They're going to have um, a, a bunch of guests coming in, including Peyton and Eli, but a bunch of mm-hmm. golf-related guests, same kind of style, which will be a lot of fun. I well, think got to do uh, it. The ratings are dropping if Tiger Woods isn't playing. So, Yeah, and we still got to see about Mickelson, too. It's going to be right. interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a big Buck guy. I know a lot of people aren't. I'm a, I respect what he's done the last decade or so. I think he's had an amazing stretch. Um, I'm also a big Ian Eagle and Charles Davis fan. On I like Charles Davis. I like that one. Yeah, he's really good as an analyst. Uh, we're going to do a lot of this this summer because we got to fill the sports void when the wild are out. So we're going to do Vikings question of the day. Today, my question for you, what type of workload do you expect Kane Wangwu to get out of the backfield this year? So this is the tough thing. Kane is an extremely explosive athlete. He's extremely explosive, one of the fastest on the team, if not the fastest. I know Jan, Dan Chisina, uh was also a track guy, so they, you know, that I'd love to see that race. Um, the tough thing about this offense is not going to be a run first, Mike Zimmer, I have to run the ball, I have to run the ball, I have to run the ball. This is going to be we're going to run organically called offensive plays, which means I'm going to feel the game out. Um, Kevin O'Connell didn't feel the game out in in in, uh, in L.A. That was Sean McVay. So it's going to be a learning curve for O'Connell. I mean, he he heard McVay in the headset. He heard, you know, he was with him. That's his right hand man. He's with the quarterback with Matthew Stafford. Um, so he's getting him going. He's he's learning from Stafford as well because Stafford uh, knew, knew a lot more about football than Jared Goff. Um, but he was with Kirk before in Washington, so they have a little bit of rapport there. Um, but this is the thing. Kane Wango is a third running back, unless he can upseat one of these running backs and move up into the two spot, because he's not going to get Dalvin Cook out of there unless he's traded, cut, or hurt. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of like work for a third running back in this type of offense that throws the ball. Um, I, I do think, though, like you look at jet sweeps. You look at some of the gimmick plays that the Rams had. I think Kane's gonna. I think they're gonna draw up some 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 plays. The problem is though, you can't just bring them in to do gimmicks because then you know it's coming. Um, so I think they're gonna have to give him a healthy dose of some plays just to run regular plays with them. You know, if he's the, like like Robert Smith said, empty him out because he can run. And if you get a backer on him running out route, let him you know run the ball and you know get up catching space. Um, so that's kind of my workload for him. I think he's going to be a gimmick back. I think he's going to be a gadget guy. Uh, definitely kickoff return. Um, I don't know if he can catch punts because he didn't do it last year. I don't think he did much of it in college. But uh, definitely kick return guy. Um, but, again, never overlook the fact that a, a receiver that can return punts can come in and catch kickoffs. And now you're like, do we need to dress a third receiver? Um, he's going to have to be heavy special teams guy. He's going to have to go down you know, and make tackles, maybe play gunner. And when you're that fast and that strong – um all you have to do is run by a couple of defensive backs i mean maybe put them at gunner like there's some things where i think you know they're gonna have to get unique and, and 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 cute with this uh 49 you know 46 49 man roster to figure out who's gonna dress you know with that 53 who are we gonna dress on sunday mornings monday nights you know thursday nights um that's that's where i think kane is gonna fit in he's gonna he's gonna be a gimmick guy so his workload i'm gonna say you know offensively mm-hmm. probably at this point i'm saying 10 percent you know, 10% of the offensive plays, he's going to have some gimmicks yeah. though in there. Yeah. So my only thought on that is that yes, Dalvin cook's going to be the workhorse, which doesn't leave a lot else, but I look at what the Rams did, which O'Connell was a part of a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. You didn't know if it was going to be cam Akers, Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown. It was more sure. matchup based, right? So I could see them deciding a couple of weeks. Like if there's a, a team that, you know, is susceptible to, in the screen game, if they decide, okay, this is going to be a Wangwu game, Madison takes a back seat, 
mm-hmm. and and Kane becomes the number two for a game here and there. I see that. Um, okay. And, and I thought you were about to say number one. I was about to say no. The Rams don't have a, a Dalvin Cook. <laughs> they would they would clamor for Dalvin Cook. Uh, but right. yeah, no, I do like that. I do like that take. I could see that. Yeah. And Madison Cook's too. Like people guy. are saying because this is where people are thinking: get rid of Cook, make Madison one. I don't think so. I think you keep Cook. I think Madison, if he's looking for a new contract, he has to move on. Kane becomes your two in a mm-hmm. year or two. And so I, I do like that one. Kane was extremely explosive. Uh, but we do know Madison can get you 100 yards if he's the starting back. So that's why coaches get paid a lot of money. There's some tough decisions out there to be made. And Ty Chandler, the draft pick, fifth round, I think, uh, yep. he'll probably be in the mix as well. Out of North Carolina. Yeah, I forgot about that. Right, North Carolina? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. But that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank you guys for watching. Make sure you go back and watch Robert Smith. Some great stuff there. You got to hear his teeth story. I can't believe that he told that. And nobody has really ever talked about that. But, man, you got you to check that one out. Um, also, uh, you know, Minnesota Wild, Thursday, 8.30 puck drop. Thank you, Sam Ekstrom. You've done a great job today. Please subscribe to our podcast that's locked on sports minnesota on youtube or you can also download take us wherever you want to go wherever you get your podcast have a great day hey prime members You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.